great. Glad this, uh, glad we can finally make this happen. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Bam, we're live. Good morning, everybody. Caleb, what's up, dude? Good morning. Caleb, Paul, Paul, Caleb. Morning, Caleb. Nice How you doing? Meet you, Good to finally meet. Um, Paul Alcoby. That is correct. Did I, did I say it right? You did. You're one Al of the Kobe. rare people to say it right. <laughs> well, I, I cheated. I cheated. <laughs> I cheated. I did. I, I I dug around and I heard on another podcast you were like, "Man, I've heard my name in every way." And when your name is Sevon, you've heard it in every way too. No, I'm sure. Al Kobe. What kind of name is that? Oh, it's Moroccan. Oh, wow. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard anyone say that. Mor- are both your parents Moroccan? <laughs> oh, my dad is. Oh shit! Is he a first generation in the United States? Yep. Wow. Have you been to Morocco? Not yet. I was supposed I heard- to go uh, 2014 when I was stationed overseas, and there was an incident and couldn't go. Oh, that's not exactly the kind of trip. I heard it's amazing. I heard it is absolutely amazing. I heard it's a great place. That's what I've that? heard. Yeah. Yes. I've heard there in Portugal are fantastic. Actually, a weird uh, segue. So Portugal actually, because of the Spanish Inquisition, is giving Jews Jews that can prove their Sephardic uh, Portuguese passports. So I'm actually in the application process for that. So, Oh, that's the best kind of reparations I ever heard. That's enough. That's Yeah. Perfect. Plenty. Okay. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> and hey, and who better to recruit than some Jews? Recruit some Jews and some Japanese and fuck, your economy's up and running. There it is. <laughs> in, in no time. Well, Sevi, that's racist. I know. I can't help it. It just is. It is that way. They bring in the Jews. It was funny. I had this guy on yesterday and, um, on the show who lived in a, um, in a, in a, or he grew up in a projects in Bronx, right? And okay. the projects, he was describing the project is three 20 story, it was 14 buildings in totality in the Bronx. It was like Castle Hill or something. A bad place. And it was, yeah. uh, it was 14 buildings, and three of them, I think, were 20-story buildings, and then the other 11 were smaller buildings. And I said, hey, do you know why? Do you know the history of those? And as we started digging in the history, he, at first he was going to go down some sort of theory that they were built to basically experiment on blacks, put blacks in like this really tough situation, experiment on them, and, 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 and that way you could bring them guns and drugs and just purposely fuck with them. He was going to kind of go down that. But quickly we realized, no, the, these buildings were built in New York to house Jews coming basically through Ellis Island. Basically, basically leaving Europe. And we all know what happened to those Jews. I think it was in one of, um, I forget the guy's name. Who's that little tiny black dude who writes all those pop psychology books? They're really cool. He's a runner. Um, Skinny. Someone will say it in the comments. He's tiny. He's like five foot two, super thin. He wrote Outliers. He's the guy who popularized. He didn't create it. Malcolm Gladwell. Malcolm Gladwell. Thank you, Caleb. Um, okay. Uh, yep. In one of Gladwell's books, I, I was he describes how basically you know the Jews came here poor as shit, and um, you know their only the, the only profession that they had when they came from Europe was um, uh, seamstress, basically clothing, the garment industry. And at that time in the United States, the garment industry was exploding because they found there was some sort of way where they could manufacture uh, uh, clothing fat, uh, not clothing. Um, uh, I, I'm not going to say it right, but cloth faster. 
And so Jews started opening up fucking shitloads of cleaning services, seamstress services, clothing stores. And that was the boom of that industry in the United States. And then those Jews took all that money and made their kids doctors and lawyers and sent them to school. Now everyone hates us apparently. (laughs) No, they don't. That's, that's just the, yeah, no, it's absolutely crazy. Jewish parents quit, quit telling your kids that no one gives a shit that you're Jewish. (laughs) Quit being so narcissistic. There's a, a, I've had a lot of conversations recently with folks, um, you know, just because I, I grew up in this more traditional household and, uh, I'm not practicing, uh, you know, I mean, I, to be honest, didn't even want a bar mitzvah, but, uh, you know, my parents hate that, but I I've had these conversations with people that just have never, uh, especially being in the military. And, and at one point I lived in Eastern New Mexico and I've met people in my life that have never met a Jew before. Yeah. And they had this idea of what like a Jewish person was and uh, what they aren't. And I'm, I'm like, hey, you know, I'm I'm Jewish. They're like, we thought you were Italian or, or, or Greek or something. And I'm like, I no, see it. I yeah, see it. I see it. I see it. I see the <laughs> Italian Greek guy in you. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, my mom grew up in South Philly. So I guess uh, by proxy, I'm slightly Italian. <laughs> um, we do. We do. um my wife's Jewish. We do the um, menorah. We light the candles. We let the kids know okay. about the holidays, but to say we're practicing. Um, it's funny. We were invited to the temple in town, and they had a vaccine and mask policy, so that definitely wasn't going to fly. And then recently, about a week ago, um, a, a lady said, who who uh, goes to my – her kids go to my kids' tennis um, clinic – invited us again to the temple and I said, Hey, uh, do they require masks there? And she said, this is fucking uh, last week. And she said, yes. And I said, sorry, these Jews don't, these Jews aren't ever going to wear masks. (laughs) These are non mask wearing (laughs) crazy. Yeah. It's uh, masks living in wild times. Um, yeah, I don't, that stuff is, is still wild to me. Uh, I was at the VA a few weeks ago and I mean, their whole policy is still back is federal government, obviously. And, uh, there's still occasionally places I'll go being on the East coast right now. And, uh, I usually, I'm just kind of like, really, it's two years. Uh, and all the data is there, but okay. I I went into whole foods now twice in the last week in Santa Cruz. And I hadn't, and I, I used to love going there with my kids, but I haven't been since in, you know, in two and a half years since they started enforcing all those rules and half the people in it there are wearing masks. It is fucking bizarre. They're all old people and too. By old, I mean my age now, and older. I'll see people, uh, masking their kids up because of RSV and stuff. Uh, I actually had, <laughs> so I was a medic, uh, and I worked on a pediatric ward for two years and I've had RSV patients in the past, stuff like that. And, uh, it's very interesting to me how we're kind of going from pandemic to pandemic to pandemic now, uh, according to the the media and, uh, you know, just a lot of those aspects out there right now. You will guaranteed 100% damage your child by putting a mask on them. And you will also damage your child from having them around people with masks. Every single study that's been done on them. I've looked at 12 studies. It's a hundred percent conclusive. There's no fucking way around it. Quit yeah. fucking telling yourself. I heard a really sad story the other day. A guy told me that he got an exemption for his kid to wear a mask during the pandemic, but everyone else in the school wears masks, and now the kid has a speech impediment. 
because it's something like more than 50% of a kid learning words is lip reading. So now the kid that has fucking sense. speech and because when a kid doesn't understand a word, he automatically just goes straight to the lips. And I'm just yeah. like, holy shit. Yeah, that's... Yes, you never quarantine the, the healthy. Thank you. You never, ever quarantine the healthy. It's on the CDC website. You never quarantine the healthy people. Ever, 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 ever. And, and scientists know that you never deploy a vaccine in the middle of a pandemic. This is the first time in, in world history that that's ever been done. None of the other vaccines, not polio, not measles, never deployed during the pandemic, never deployed during the crisis. And why is that? Because those people don't offer herd immunity. What are you talking about, Sevon? Just go back and look a couple of years ago when they had the measles outbreak at Disneyland. Do a little research, dig around. L.A. Times, most liberal fucking newspaper you can get. They, they talk about how uh, half those kids who got the fucking measles at Disneyland were vaccinated. Well, that's weird. That's really weird. It's fucking uh, all, uh, all my friends whose kids got the chicken box vaccine all got the chicken pox. That can't be good. It's fucking weird. We live in weird times. <laughs> we, we live in. Um, I saw I just saw today this morning that um, uh, the country of Ireland is now suggesting that all PE classes stop the bleep test. Are you familiar with the bleep test? The beep test. Yeah. Beep. Yeah. Beep, yeah. Oh, beep or bleep beep. I know the article said it's, bleep, it's like the beep test or beep the, test. Pacer, the fitness gram pacer test. This is this is the test where all the kids line up like there's a 10 yard course, you know, or five, seven yard course. And all the kids have their hand on the fence and you have eight seconds to cross 10 yards and you do that for a minute. And then after a minute, you only have seven seconds. And then after another minute, you only have six seconds. And it's basically last man standing, right? You have to run back and forth in the, in the amount of allotted time and the time gets shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter. And they're now suggesting that that's bad for kids mentally because some kid has to lose. Like, go fuck yourself. I used to win that every time. You did? Just Yeah, every time. Sorry, just just added, Caleb. He's the only one in the class, though. I forgot to mention that. <laughs> hey, I, I, I had to do the presidential fitness exam with the girls. I didn't have to. They had me do it because I just couldn't do any of the shit the boys could do. I, I, I think they should just you know, incorporate okay. the Secret Service snatch test. For, for all grades. What's That's that? Go. What's that? Uh, it's, it's max snatches in, was it like five or seven minutes, I think? Yeah, it's with a kettlebell, though. Yeah, kettlebell snatches. It's like, it's. Like Is seven, that a CrossFit like workout? I think it uh, became one. Pro- yeah, probably. Secret Service Max. Why do they call it that? I think just because the Secret Service does it. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. awesome. Wow, I like it. Paul, I don't know what happened in Afghanistan at all. I, um, someone recently told me that it was a massive blunder because that base is so close to uh, – tactically or strategically because it's so close to China. It was our closest – one of our closest bases to China. So that was a huge fuck-up to vacate that. But other than that, I just remember seeing on the news – my only is, – is seeing those giant airplanes covered with people, which was just yeah. fucking weird. And basically – I just saw the headlines that basically we left there um, in the wrong sequence, um, and because of that, it caused uh, mad chaos. Can you kind of give me the backstory on why we left, what we were doing there in the first place? Can you give me the history? And what, what's the name of the, it's? It's the airport in Kabul, right? 
Yeah, so it was uh, Hamid Karzai International Airport. Uh, H Kaya is probably how I'll refer to it. Um, Hamid Karzai, that, and, and he was the leader of uh, Afghanistan. Uh, he was the president uh, previously. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Action. Yeah. So obviously we were uh, in Afghanistan post nine eleven. Uh, multiple troop surges were there for twenty years, uh, and I mean. This had been talked about for years, and uh, Trump initially had started the kind of like retrograde of, you know, and the withdrawal of getting everyone out. Uh, there had been multiple meetings between, uh, I believe they were in the UAE with the Taliban, stuff like that, where uh, discussions were happening, right? And I think this, there's this, this idea uh, amongst the, the mainstream media still that somehow the Afghans were fit to defend themselves uh, post-withdrawal, which if you talk to any service member uh, or anyone that had, you know, worked in the region, uh, that's that's just not the truth. Um, personally, I actually- We couldn't even defend our own Capitol building on January 6th from a bunch of dudes dressed in, in Halloween costume with no guns and, and no fire. And they expected those people to protect their airport? It's uh, they were heavily reliant on, you know, U.S. forces um, and especially by this point, uh, special operations uh, primarily uh, because of the, the withdrawal that had taken place. Um, so July 6, 2021, uh, the U.S. withdrew from uh, Bagram Airfield. Um, so, you know, that was kind of our last uh, base in the region, essentially. And after that, uh, the Taliban kind of just rolled through Afghanistan. Uh, they took Kandahar, I think, uh, August 5th or August 6th, I believe. And then, you know, August 15th or 16th was when they actually took Kabul, uh, the capital of Afghanistan. And what's wrong um, with the Taliban? They're basically, they're, it's a dictatorship. It's, 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 what's their deal? Why are, why are they such bad guys? I mean, besides so the fact the that they bombed our buildings. Well, I mean, you know, the Taliban didn't directly. Uh, they were, however, supportive of Al-Qaeda, uh, the entity that did, right? So they carried out those attacks, and uh, the Taliban essentially was the, looked at as uh, the governing body of Afghanistan at the time, uh, which, I mean, they were harboring uh, terrorists, according to the U.S. government and, you know, NATO in general. So we ended up there. Uh and they're the people, they do bad shit. Like if your wife they, cheats on you, they kill her. They have some, they, um, they, they, they got some weird rules around boys. Going to school. They don't believe in women going right. to school. They don't, be, they don't believe in women really doing anything. Um, you know, uh, I'll talk about one of the stories, but, um, and she actually reached out to me yesterday, but an Afghan woman uh, we evacuated, uh, she had been kidnapped and tortured by the Taliban for weeks uh, before we were able, she was able to escape and we were able to um, work on an exfil plan for her and get her out of the country. And, and why was she tortured? Not that there's ever an excuse uh, she was for a professor. Okay. So yeah. she was a professor so, uh, and, and women aren't supposed to be educated. She was probably teaching nope. other women. And so she had to be punished. Yeah. And, 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 I mean, what, and what does torture look like? What does torture look like? Um, so, uh, this, I put this out a little bit and I, I don't really reveal any, uh, personal information about her, but, uh, she was raped. Um, oh, she fuck. was, you know, tied up. Uh, and I mean, I'm talking, you know, 
Uh, there were multiple people involved in all of this. Obviously, the, the Taliban is a, a pretty savage organization. Uh, no matter how they want to paint it now, um, you know, all this same stuff that they said wouldn't happen is starting again there. But uh, she she was, you know, brutally tortured for weeks on end, uh, beat, you know, starved, just locked in a room, essentially. Um, and I mean, she suffers the effects of it now, you know, severe PTSD, depression, anxiety, uh, everything that comes with that. Uh, but she's a fighter and she survived. And I mean, there's, uh, I've, I've had multiple encounters uh, of dealing with women that were in, in the same situation as her. Uh, I did help a family where a professor was kind of, uh, she was much luckier in this regard because she realized that her students actually dimed her out. Uh, so she was basically just dimed out uh, by her own students that she had been teaching and she figured it out. I, I guess a student had kind of given her a heads up and she was able to go into hiding and they got out uh, probably about four months ago uh, and they, they made it to Europe. So all the, when you say tortured, all the worst shit you could ever think of. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, the, it's, it's pretty barbaric, the stuff that would happen over there. Uh, and even during, um, everything going on. I mean, uh, I actually, I planned on bringing this up. There was a, he had just recently separated from the Marine Corps. Uh, his name's Mike Wahlberger. He had put out a video during the withdrawal of his unit's kind of experience there. And the stuff that you see happening in the crowds, you'll actually see the Taliban in the crowds, beating people with rifles, beating people with sticks, you know, all kinds of just inhumane things that were going on there. Uh, and I mean, I'm talking like, you know, the butt of a rifle to someone's head. Um, so there, there's a lot that, that was at play there. Okay. So, 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 so there were people, there were people there that were, that weren't, that the only thing stopping them from having these horrific things happen to them, starvation, rape, stuff that, stuff that if they, someone did to our mom or sister, we would go kill them. Pretty our much, daughters. Yeah. And, um, the, and that was happening to them. And the only thing stopping that from happening, at least openly, was the fact that there was U.S. presence there. Yes, U.S. and NATO, for sure. Yeah. And, 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 and is NATO still there? No. So did they leave at the same time the U.S. left or before? Uh, NATO, yeah, pretty much. Everyone kind of bounced at the same time. And, and, and whose decision was it to leave and why did we leave? Uh, so, I mean, it was – the, the decision started during the Trump administration. I mean, it was, uh, I would say the American public was kind of fed up, to be honest. Uh, we were kind of done. Um, and I mean, rightfully so. I, you know, I've lost friends in Afghanistan. Uh, I worked on, you know, wounded patients out of Afghanistan, stuff like that. And um, I, you know, can wholeheartedly say that I think people were just sick of, of seeing, you know, fellow Americans and I mean, NATO allies uh, coming home in body bags, um, you know, for, 20 years. So, uh, especially when the, the mission wasn't really clear anymore. And, and so, and then and how many, and then, so the, the current administration is the one that pu pulled the final troops out. Yes. Uh, yeah. so what ended up happening was they sent, uh, I believe it was 6,000 total, uh, you know, soldiers, uh, airmen, Marines, sailors all in to do the final withdrawal and actually help evacuate, uh, allies. And How many? 6,000? I believe it was 6,000. 
And and how many were there before those? How many you send in six thousand people to evacuate? How many people? Uh, the total estimates. Um, I want to say, I re- this is just what I recall seeing were I believe thirty five thousand total uh, okay. allies that got out. And, and and does that include Afghani's? Oh well, yeah, that's Afghans, uh, American citizens, stuff like that. I saw um, I saw know. I saw ninety thousand somewhere. That could be more accurate. Um, okay. I'm, more specifically, I mean, that could definitely be more accurate. Okay. So, I I just saw it I don't recently say when what I was I'm look- saying is okay. You know, t- okay. Like, total accuracy. Um, there, I have a lot of numbers going on in my head with this, but yeah. In my country, also girls and women are deprived of many things. Sex inequality is big. Sorry, I had to edit uh, for the correct usage of the word. Sex inequality yeah. is big. Only small minority of real men know how to treat and respect women. I'm curious I mean, what country I, that is. I, I mean, for starters, just you don't even have to respect them. Just don't disrespect them. Yeah, don't you know torture them. Yeah, I'm not asking you to respect I mean, anyone. Yeah, not, just don't disrespect people. Like the, I, and and that's the thing, right? Human rights. Uh, and and thank you, Nermo, for that. I appreciate you uh, sharing that. By the way, sorry. Go ahead. You know the 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 lack of human rights there uh, is is the biggest issue, right? And uh, these people were essentially made this promise by the U.S. government and our allies that we were going to give them democracy, give them education, give them all this stuff. And then essentially, uh, we held their hands in terms of how we we did things. And I mean, this is reported on multiple levels now where um, the military was kind of individuals in the military, leadership in the military was kind of misreporting what was going on on the ground. And there were... you know, a few Afghan units uh, in the special operations realm that could hold their own and stuff like that. But the overwhelming majority could not. And that's what we saw is that the 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 majority of the Afghan units just kind of dropped their weapons and were like, cool, bye. We're out uh, and just kind of gave up. And this is prior to the, you're talking about prior to the evacuation door. Yeah, prior. Um, and that's when all the, uh, you know, like Kandahar fell, all the other provinces fell. Um, leading up to uh, when the Taliban basically rolled into Kabul, like, what's up? We're here. Um, I'm going to jump ahead real quick and then we'll go back. What happens to our our Afghan, like you hear about how successful Nigerians are who come to this country as as a whole, uh, as a demographic. How do Afghanis do once they come here? Uh, So the the Afghans that um, have come here are, you know, it's, it's kind of mixed, right? So, uh, I'll go off of what I know and the uh, direct interactions I've had. So the first individual I brought over here uh, with the help of his former interpreter, uh, Corey Mazza, uh, amazing guy. He was a Harvard grad, uh, was in the Marine Corps, and Zabi was actually his interpreter. So we got Zabi out. He was uh, a pretty I, – I can get into the backstory of that for sure. It was a pretty crazy uh, situation. So we get him out. He gets over here. Um, there were some problems getting a mirror, whatnot, but he transitioned into a, you know, a decent job. Uh, he works in uh, retail somewhere and he's just doing his thing and he's, he's able to transition because he already had an education. He already, you know, spoke the language, already had this kind of base uh, of knowledge. There are other Afghans that came here and this is directly, you know, from Zabi. And when he was actually in one of the the uh, refugee camps that were, I mean, 
a lot of these folks are, are from the mountains. Um, there were individuals that were brought here that really had no ties to the U.S. as well. Uh, so they're a cousin of a cousin who had a friend that was in the Afghan army and they basically let them slide and get into Hkaya and get on a plane and come here. Uh, so Zabi would see these individuals in these refugee camps, literally just taking a shit on the floor because they'd never used a bathroom. Right. So right. you have this, this vast difference, uh, where you had individuals in the major cities who were living a somewhat Westernized life, um, for, for years. And then you have, these people that that had never even seen a toilet before right uh so right. you can kind of get everything in between as well and, and and have they found a city like um there's a city in maine I, I, which is bizarre to me which is like the largest congregation of um brazilians is there a city in, in you know in detroit and cleveland were, were huge for like armenians and los angeles was huge for armenians um you know uh, uh, pakistanis and indians have come to the bay area is there a city where the afghanis are going Afghans? Uh, so are they Afghanis or Afghans? Afghans. Afghani is uh, the currency. So. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Nothing but a oh. dollar to me. Okay, the Afghans. Um, <laughs> wh where do the so, Afghans go? Do they have a city where they're all they're they're, they're huddling they're spread up? Spread out. Um, they're spread out, but there were there were a good amount that actually I do know there's a there was a good influx into Virginia. Uh, okay. I, various cities in Virginia. Well, they still shit on the floor there, so that they that's good. That's a good training ground for them. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, Virginia, it, interesting state, but, uh, no, there, there's definitely, there's definitely, a, an influx there, uh, you know, and I know a few cities in the Midwest, uh, one of, one of our, uh, really, <laughs> really crazy stories. He's, uh, he's up in, uh, the, the New England region, uh, and that guy's story, uh, we jokingly, uh, during his his whole deal, I gave him the nickname Gan Wick, Afghan Wick, because uh, while we were getting him out, he ended up actually having to uh, smoke a few Taliban that had basically a hit squad showed up to to get him and his family on his way out of the house. I so, heard that I heard that story in one of your other podcasts. Yeah. Crazy. We'll yep. we'll get we'll get to those. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So there is a decision to do a final withdrawal. And in is in, 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 but from the current administration, and was that a public announcement? What happened? What went yes. wrong? What went, I mean, is, is it fair yeah, to so, say something went wrong? Yes. Uh, okay. They basically announced they were going to pull out as fast as possible. They set a, a date uh, to get to, which was the deadline and started the withdrawal process. Uh, within that, what wasn't really considered was how many people were going to show up in Kabul and try to get into the gates at the airport uh, because people weren't being evacuated. VIPs were getting out of the country. Uh, that, that was, I mean, you know, a given, right? Like there were a lot of VIPs that were able to get out kind of uh, in the early days. And, you know, they were just. Ambassadors, nice. people nice with easy. money, people yep. who got pregnant yeah. from uh, the general's son, shit like that. Pretty much. Yeah. And then uh, once, once that kind of once the and how would they get out a military plane would land or and, and they would all load yeah. onto it or it would be commercial jets yeah. uh from to my to my knowledge it was primarily uh, military evacuations at that time 
And then they would um, get there some were sort still of... commercial flights. To, to okay. be clear, I don't know the the number of commercial flights, but there were. And and then they would get visas um, from the U.S. government to make it legal when they landed in the U.S. so that they would be here and they could they could land and not be deported. Uh, under refugee status, asylum status, stuff like that. Yeah. Did we send anyone back? I don't know. Actually, that's a really good question. Um, I've wondered that because I had people in camps. Uh, they were in the refugee camps. And they would tell me that, uh, especially like the guys from the Pangaea region, stuff like that. They're like, hey, you know, there's Taliban here. And uh, they, I mean, at one point, these guys wanted to basically, you know, kill these dudes that they suspected of being Taliban because they're like, they're here. Like, these are fucking Taliban. And I had to be like, hey, you know, go find a uh, NCO or an officer and tell them, uh, do not like, do not do this because you will end up screwed over. Why? Why not? Um, sorry, I'm just depending on you as the all-knowing. Why not run to uh, Turkmenistan, Tajikistan, uh, Pakistan, um, uh, or Iran? Why? Or, why not? So cross? a lot of people did. Okay. Yeah. Uzbekistan. Um, people, Uzbekistan. People These are all bordering countries of of Afghanistan, by the way. Yeah. Yep. And and people did. Uh, and the other side of it too, uh, like especially with like Tajikistan, Uzbekistan, all that stuff. Uh, the terrain there is, is insane. Um, I mean, we're talking, you know, insane mountain ranges that, uh, like <laughs> hundreds of, of thousands of miles of just mountains, uh, and moving, traversing that on foot is, is heavy. And a lot of people did make it out. Like, uh, there are stories of, of people tr- kind of traversing that, uh, even into the dead of winter. Uh, you know, there were, I think it was like, uh, 80 refugees that were found, uh, and they were like barefoot in the dead of winter, uh, just trying to get into Iran. Wow. I I did. I did yesterday try to map routes out of there using Google maps and everywhere I chose for them. It says no route available. Yeah. And then I, and then I started looking I mean, for now, road no, ne- there's definitely no routes. <laughs> yeah. And, and I was looking for road networks and shit and seven elevens and I, nothing. Yeah, no, no Starbucks, no 7-Elevens. Nope. Uh, you know, they had McDonald's before. I, I don't think they're there anymore, though. Okay, so then, um, so th- this is where the story gets really, really bizarre. This is one of the most fascinating stories ever because there's an element to it that you can't even believe is happening. I'm trying to think of a, a analogy for it or a, a parallel to it that's happened somewhere. It's kind of like I, I don't think a lot of people realize this, but when Apple released um, Final Cut Pro in the early 2000s, all of a sudden, what took millions of dollars to do? Because before, if you wanted to edit video, it took millions of dollars. You needed to get equipment that cost millions of dollars, yep. and now all of a sudden, overnight, you could plug a, a laptop into overnight. Literally, people, you could plug a laptop into a cigarette lighter and um, and, and start editing with this software, and then you could start making your own movies, TV shows, news stories, whatever. This is um, a group of people who did the job of i don't know whose job it is but i let's say uh, just for lack of a a better term that these people did the job of the fucking u.s military and of the u.s government you you would have to think that the the ability to organize and move people that there's no greater organization in the world than the u.s military 
you, you have, I, I think it's, I mean, all I'm thinking maybe it could be some sort of, um, uh, cruise ships might have some ability to do something crazy like that. Some cruise ship company, but it, it can't compare to what the U S military can do. They can move people with aircraft carriers, with planes, with vehicles, they can protect them. And yet a bunch of dudes just sitting around on their computers in the United States using WhatsApp technology and guys on the ground and iPhones and Androids organize evacuating people and saving their lives. And these people weren't, I mean, you weren't paid for this, right? No, no. I, I was on a, I had a corporate job at the time. I was doing video for a, a company in Florida and I was on paid time off. Just did the U S government do. ever offer you money after the fact where they were no. like, Hey, here's $500,000 for your service. No, we were uh, recognized in a, a bunch of the organizations involved were recognized uh, by Senate. So Fuck you. they said, they'll, uh, I, I don't know what that means, but uh, you know. doesn't mean shit. I, I, got I cannot believe, I can't believe they didn't retroactively pay you. I cannot believe they didn't pay you. I mean, none of us, you know, uh, none of us did it obviously for, for uh, money. We just kind of did it because we saw a need to uh, help people survive. And uh, it affected a lot of people close to us or uh, people directly. So uh, everyone got involved. And I mean, I, I have no regrets on it uh, at all. Uh, I, I think my only regrets are the people I couldn't help if right. anything, but right. uh, no regrets on time or, or anything. So, are you going to write a book? Uh, I've, I've definitely, I've been writing. Uh, I don't, I don't know if it's going to turn into a book, but uh, I, I've definitely been writing a lot. And uh, I recently, I thought I had lost uh, all my transcripts of everything because I changed my, my phone and my laptop out and uh, signal it kind of once, once you, since signals encrypted, uh, once you change over, if you don't basically archive everything, it'll disappear. And I screwed up and lost everything on my phone. So now I have all those transcripts, fortunately. So oh, you uh, found a way to get them back. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So I want to go back to this moment. So basically what happened is we're going to pull out, and the people who p- were panicking for their lives because of their affiliation with the new regime and the U.S. way of life, not raping and torturing women, flooded the airport. And what? And, 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 and you spent four years in the U.S. military as a medic, Air Force medic. Yes. Okay. And and how long had it been since you'd been out? Uh, well, I got out in 2016, uh, and I was a. a military contractor for three and a half years uh, after that. That's that, by the way, that sounds like that could be its own show. <laughs> uh, some aspects were fun. Um, for the most part, I, I was an instructor um, one side of things and then uh, worked in some other stuff after that. Uh, but you saw, but you saw crazy shit. You saw, you, uh, saw the, the, you speak of the contract world. I think your word was, is murky. There, there are murky contracts for sure. My side of it uh, definitely wasn't. I got to, to actually support some some very legitimate stuff, and was very fortunate to have had that opportunity. Okay, so so you're out of the contract space. You have a corp. You had a corporate job. Can, can you tell us what your corporate job was? Yeah, so I was I was doing a full time video for a uh, firearms company. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah. like out of Florida. Yep. Okay. And, and meaning uh, part of their marketing team, part of their team to yes, yeah, let people know yeah. that, Hey, these bullets exist. These guns exist. Okay. Yeah. These, these guns are, are, uh, are decent in quality. I say that and, very skeptically now. <laughs> and, 
Um, you so then when you hear, tell me about how you get involved in the evacuation. No details too small from the earliest. Like yeah. you're sitting around, you have your feet up, you have your arm around your girlfriend, your dog. You're just vomited on the carpet, and you're like, "Shit, should I clean it up?" And you look over at your phone and. Yeah, so I've been watching everything kind of uh, unfold on some of the like open source news Instagrams and some other pages on Instagram. Uh, and I started kind of getting concerned. Uh, I was definitely just watching things and uh, my really Were you good deployed buddy, over there? Sorry, as a medic, were you no, deployed? No, okay. I was never I was never in Afghanistan. Yeah, okay. never. Um, and I to, I was actually just very disgruntled at my job. I was like, let me use my paid time off for this. Uh, no, I, so my, my really good buddy, Chris hit me up. Um, and he had told me, uh, his good friend, JT, uh, his interpreter's wife was still stuck there and she needed help getting out. So that kind of pulled me in the door because he, Chris, Chris knows me very well. And Chris knows like once, once it's like, it's for the cause, it's for the cause. And uh, I, I jumped on board and started kind of helping to get them uh, out. And I started How do you know even where to start? Like if someone were to tell me, hey, a friend of mine stuck in Afghanistan, what should I do? I'd be like, get a fucking map and start walking. Uh, I kind of just reached out to my network. Um, the first person I reached out to was actually on a uh, like a PSD, like protective uh, detail for a uh, high ranking general. And I knew he had just been in the country. Uh, I knew he still might be in the country. So I shot him a text. And I'm like, hey, man, uh, do you happen to know anyone that might be able to help me? And he got me in touch with a guy who was still at the airport. Uh, he was, he's, you know, a conventional army dude. He's not like special operations. Just, you know, he's just a regular just Joe, some kid like, from Georgia who wanted to get away from his stepdad who was beating him and, and fucking <laughs> joined the military. Probably, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so and now he's working he's, the airport in Kabul with a gun over his shoulder, hanging I mean, out with his buddies. Dude's, dude's an absolute stud. Uh, he huh. ended up being an absolute game changer for us throughout the entire operation. Like he, this, this dude put his life on the line so many times. And um, I, you know, I, I would, <laughs> if if it came down to it and I, I could get this kid the the recognition he deserves, like I, I would 100% do it. Um, so spoke to him, spoke to a few other assets that I thought might be going into the region and kind of got stuff in motion. The problem ended up being that the people she was with, I literally had them 30 feet away from the gate and, to get pulled in. And the guy got spooked and basically took everyone and ran away so we couldn't get her in okay let, let me paint this picture again someone calls you and says hey paul uh uh your buddy your buddy chris calls you and says hey paul my buddy jd who had an interpreter in afghanistan has a wife who's stuck there can you get her out you said let me see so you called a dude who does protective service for a high-ranking general there who happened to be inside the airport so then what do you do? You they send a picture. What? So they had left. They, they evacuated the country at that point. Who had? Because, you know, the, the general. Oh, the general had, but it left his dude. Yeah, he, he yeah. No, no, yeah, no. Yeah. He, he went with them. They all, they all bounced. They were like, another oh, friend of that friend. Another oh, so another yeah, friend sorry. of that, so that friend. friend. Okay. So that friend happened to be there. And so you get uh, that dude's then, phone number and you're like, hey, dude, 
I know this is fucking batshit crazy, but I'm going to send you a picture of this fucking chick. When she walks up to the gate, can you open the door? That's basically what was happening. This is fucking nuts. (laughs) (laughs) This is fucking nuts. And, and meanwhile, yeah. he's, he's got to pick her out like it's fucking like at, at, at fucking Where's Walmart and fucking Virginia so, on Black Friday. It's like so fucking everyone's descending to get their PS3. And you're like, yo, you, how do you even open the gate and just let one in? You, you don't. It's like, <laughs> like if, <laughs> the videos, I mean, the videos kind of show it pretty accurately. And I mean, this at this point, uh, it was still pretty like stuff was getting chaotic, right? So you had all these people just converging yeah so that that's a perfect so that's abby gate um that's actually the same gate where the the ied went off and uh that's pretty much what was happening was these people would be getting pulled over the wall and that's a a sewage ditch covered you know so you got razor wire there it's that's poop that's poop that's pooped in there oh yeah yeah i mean from the airport like you take a piss and shit dead people yeah. No, like people. I mean, a lot of people were just there, right? So there, you have these like thousands and thousands of people. No uh, porta potties. No porta potties. Um, Not up to code. And, that evac wasn't up to code. What do you mean, pull people over the gate? I see razor wire. Yeah, uh, there's another photo. Um, there's not even a photo. gate to you open to there. That? So, so these dudes, these are uh, the PJs that um and i'd love to get more into this uh but these are uh air force pjs so they're a special operations component of the air force uh guy in the center is a crow so he's an officer the other two are pjs uh they were and many other you know marines corpsmen uh soldiers were all pulling people up and basically vetting these people before they could get in um so that's could you've gotten in trouble for this paul could you like were you ever concerned that the fbi would or cia would show up to your house and be like hey asshole you're interfering in uh, international shit so i i I was definitely concerned about that uh there were points where i was like okay there are lines that i cannot cross here there are things that i cannot do um you were basically using the u.s military for your own personal benefit i mean i'm using fucking like something like some asshole lawyer would say to you who 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 are you to save people's lives over there (laughs) <laughs> well, so what we ended up doing, uh, my, my philosophy on this and the team I was working with. So I'd been in these signal chats and been dealing with, uh, primarily I would deal with Americans on signal because Afghans used, uh, WhatsApp, which is a, a beautiful Andrew Scholl's reference because third world nations use WhatsApp. Um, but, uh, so what we would end up doing is, Third getting, world nations and Australia, by the way. So go figure. You figure that out. <laughs> I mean, Australia almost became a third world nation. It is. COVID, so yes. Uh, but pretty much what we would do, uh, we would intake any of these allies or American citizens information. And we would then work on vetting that information, uh, make sure that the people that were going were the right people make sure they had the correct documentation. And then we would use some type of call sign that the individuals on the ground could then reference to get these people in. Uh, essentially trying to make it as safe as possible because these people were already there. We weren't, we weren't doing anything of like, you know, I would say utilizing the government for, for personal gain or anything like that. These people were already going to the airport. We were just trying to make sure it was as safe as possible. Um, so, uh, you would get, I just looked up on Google, typical uh, uh, Af- Afghan names. So 
the guy you would be trying to get into the airport, Ahmed. Ahmed Muhammad. Yeah, Ahmed Muhammad yeah, you know, Ali. Okay. Uh, he he would he would you would tell him, hey, it's a uh, you're gonna do two middle fingers and then touch them together, and then they're gonna call you over and then you hand them this paper and that that's how they're gonna know it's you. Similar, yeah. Or we would have them hold. Uh, there's I, I don't know if I I posted a photo of it, but um, we would have them actually hold up a uh, yeah stuff like that. Oh, I like that. Phones. Yeah, Jolly so that's Pedro. actually a, a pararescue call sign. And uh, I just want to continuously say this. Uh, the pararescue and the rescue community that were on the ground at HKIA are still severely under-recognized for what they did um, during these efforts. Uh, and flyers, uh, a ton of airmen, 51 in total, were just awarded distinguished flying crosses for their efforts. Uh, the guys that were actually on the ground have pretty much received no recognition whatsoever. So I, I just want to really put a ton of respect out to those guys. Um, How many American soldiers were inside those gates? Uh, to my knowledge, a little over 6,000. I wonder if they were, and how many people were outside the gates? Were there estimates on the crowd outside? <sighs> it's just impossible to, to even know. I do know that someone that was working with my team, uh, they did work for a defense contractor that they were able to kind of have better estimates and, and see what was going on. And it was, I mean, a sea of people. Like if you have any of the over, if you can find any of the overhead imagery from during that, it was a sea of people. Did you guys like get in any trouble? Of of people. Did you guys get in any trouble for using the name Pedro that it was considered racist? Like it was some sort of Mexican reference. So that's a, that's actually a, uh, a pararescue call sign. Oh, jolly. Um, so okay. Had, yeah. All right, all right. Yeah. So Pedro, uh, is, is, you know, the rescue crews and then, uh, like, yeah. So they, uh, I think Vietnam, they called them Jolly Green Feet, uh, cause they use a gr- the pararescue and rescue communities, Green Feet, um, as their, their symbol essentially. So, so that guy would hold the sign and then they would some, so they wouldn't open a gate cause that would be too crazy. They would just start pulling people over through some sort of gap in the razor wire. The U S soldiers would cut, cut a gap in the razor wire and God, they must've been terrified because if for some reason someone showed up with a jackhammer or something and drilled that wall down or r- ran a truck into it, you, you would have a situation where. Yeah. Uh, and that was a fear, right? Like they, they knew there were <laughs> active threats. Um, and we ran into to some encounters that we were uh, definitely worried of of other attacks, um, specifically uh, when we were trying to evacuate Laura Bush's school children. Um, that was a real thing. Uh, T- tell me that story. What are Laura Bush's school children? These are these are people so, that Laura Bush um, sponsored Afghans. Yes. Yeah. So uh, I, Laura Bush has a program for school children. Um, an individual named so, Rob. So, sorry. So this is why it's so bizarre, dude. Everyone who's listening. This is the former fucking first lady. And instead of fucking using the U.S. military to fucking land fucking a Chinook and fucking send in special forces to get her kids out, they got a dude who wants a fucking break from his corporate job and is on his fucking uh, PS3 just saving people. This in, It's so in bizarre my to me. In my underwear. Yeah, um, yeah, seriously, you were, huh? Still, you were in your living room in your I, underwear? I was literally in my underwear. I didn't sleep. Just with like the coffee years. maker on full blast? Yeah, I ran out of food at one point. I forgot to eat. Uh, ran out of food. It was, it was, I, I yeah, yeah, it was, it was pretty hectic. Um, but yeah, so 
this whole Did you have a girlfriend at the time? I didn't know, thankfully. Oh, yeah. She'd have been pissed. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> she she'd have been real pissed. But uh my imaginary girlfriend was pissed. We'll we'll go with that. All right, all right. So, okay, so Laura um, Bush, Laura Bush, the Laura Bush thing. How did yeah. that happen? Well, Laura Bush didn't contact me directly. I don't know if she contacted any, anyone directly, to be honest. But uh so Rob, who uh shout out to Rob, he is a legend. Um you know who so that is, Caleb? Was, what Rob he's referring to? He does. Yep. I think Rob so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, we worked together in a few of the CrossFit events. He helped volunteer for yep. the medical coverage. He's a really nice wow. guy. Wow. Small world. Speaking of CrossFit, I don't know if you remember this, Sivan. Uh, 2017 or 2018 East Regional, the guy that gave you coffee. That was, that was me. You. I don't know if you remember yeah. that. Yeah. I, I do yeah, remember okay. that because I Just, thought that was so fucking nice. <laughs> Yeah, I think we were like interviewing Ben Bergeron or Catcher or something. We'd set up like a makeshift interview thing at the top of the stadium in Albany, right? And you would come over yep. with some coffee. Yeah, that was crazy yep. fucking generous of you. That name yeah. of that coffee company was Alpha Brew? Yep, Alpha Brew Coffee. Are they still around? We're still around. It's a little bit of a hiatus at the moment. We're trying to restructure some stuff, but yeah. All right. Well, thank you to Alpha Brew. And and I think maybe I think maybe I, I went by and uh, took advantage of you guys and maybe got like a free coffee. Late, uh, like I a mean, cold- we- Coffee. We would have given you free. We gave you free coffee all weekend. We yeah, to. yeah, yeah. I think but you yes. did. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate it. me and the whole team. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, that was that was a good event. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, so, pretty much the way this would work, and this happened with numerous politicians and people that should not have been calling uh, American civilians and asking for help. Uh, that would kind of leverage. They would say, "Oh, my constituents have this request." It's like, well, your constituents don't even know this person. Uh, so that's just how it went. But, uh, the, the story basically from this one was Rob reached out to me. Rob was a a former military contractor. He's a, he's a firefighter now. Um, he was like, Hey, you know, Laura Bush's school children are stuck on a bus and there are like 60 of them, I believe, uh, stuck on this, uh, one or two buses. And there was, uh, there were a few different gates and one of them, was kind of run by the Afghan, it, it's called NDS. Uh, they were like trained by the the CIA. Uh, they're kind of like a, a special operations force. And we had to get them in that gate. We were encountering issues because the only way to get American citizens in at the time was to have an American escort those citizens in. There were no Americans at this gate. Uh, so we basically had the buses sitting there trying to figure out how to get an American over to the gate, but, uh, the, the governing you say body an American, was, could it be a soldier or it had to be a citizen, a soldier or a contractor? Okay. Um, well, if there's 6,000 guys in there. Why couldn't, why couldn't someone just walk over there and be like, yo, let no one could move. move. Oh, so what ended up happening, there were active threats. Uh, and it, it came down to a point where no one, uh, basically was able to move because the uh, state department, I believe put down an order that no one could move due to threats, which I understand in that logic. Uh, But at the time it was endangering American lives as well. Uh, Especially when those operators, uh, you know, soldiers, airmen, Marines, contractors, everyone that was in that facility was ready to move to go help people. That's what they wanted to do. That's what they were there to do. Um, and there was a total disconnect between like the, basically the organizations on the ground and in DC. Uh, and that's, you know, I, I 
that's how it goes, right? That's how, like, this is a real world operation that was happening in real time. Uh, and they were doing what they thought was protecting people. And to all, to my knowledge, uh, it could have, right? Like it, it very well could have saved lives. Um, but what ended up happening was this Afghan bus driver, this contracted Afghan bus driver is calling us and saying, Hey, there's a ISIS spotter looking at us. Uh, we need to leave. And we're like, how do you know it's ISIS? He's like, I've lived here my whole life. That's a fucking ISIS guy. <laughs> and uh, he basically just bailed. He took these like 60, I think it was like 62 schoolgirls, and just dipped, he bounced out of there. Um, and there were some American citizens on that bus. Uh, and, and this was kind of a frequent thing. So they could have, so they could have got in anyway, since there were American citizens on there and in hindsight, they could have well, come no, in. They couldn't because it had to be an American that had to escort them from the gate. Oh, so it had to be someone already yeah. inside the gate had to vouch for you. Was it that yes. simple? Was it that simple though? As long as there was an American who said, so if I was there as a soldier and I just saw some lady and I thought she was cute, I could just be like, yeah, I vouch for her. Uh, no, because you would have to have the correct documentation, right? So it was oh, like okay. these, these American service members would be able to go do a grab, grab that person, whatever, get them in, but they had to have the right documentation. Are uh, you single now? Yes, I am. Yeah. 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 You heard it. Right. <laughs> Great question. Now. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sorry. I, yeah, I only so picked the important ones. I only picked the important ones. <laughs> and you know, I, I don't want to put this on, on any of the, the commands or any of the, the agencies there. I think there were just like a lot of disconnects between. So like CENTCOM saying one thing, SOCOM saying another thing, the state department saying another thing. And, uh, that, that was kind of the, the, you know, um, the problem. What happened to the bus? Uh, they eventually got in. They did. Um, yeah. So they're like, we all, so what kind of to go to, to backtrack a little bit, what ended up happening? Uh, so I was on these, these signal chats and I was working to get people out and, uh, this former green beret, John Reed, uh, reached out to me and, uh, super nice guy. He was a, a special forces medic and reached out to me and he's like, Hey man, it looks like you're doing a lot of good work. Uh, I, you know, I think we both kind of have the same interest and we both have good networks. Uh, it looked like a lot of the, the groups we were involved in were kind of being infiltrated by uh, state actors and other things because they're just letting everyone in. So John reached out to me. He's like, Hey, do you want to, what does that mean? State actors? I'm sorry. I was going to try um, to pretend like we don't I knew know what if that they meant. were, we don't know if they were Taliban, if they were Russian, if they were Chinese, we, we don't know. Okay, uh, so maybe, in inside maybe. of this ragtag group, you started thinking that maybe you'd been infiltrated by some bad actors. Yes. So okay. we and and that that was in various different components because we were watching uh, in these these signal chats. Just all the information that was going into those chats would somehow basically go to shit, right? So we're like, what is going on here? Um, so John hit me up. We decided to kind of form our own uh, task force of sorts. And bring in only vetted people that we knew. And this is what um, you guys called the network. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we were, we jokingly called it the network uh, because we just we weren't concerned with putting a name on it at the time, right? Uh, like jokingly, someone else called it Al Peyote to someone at one point. And uh, you know, we we've just kind of we were just worried about getting people out. Like I, I had multiple requests for interviews. Uh, John did as well. Like CNN had contacted me. Uh, you know. It, it just wasn't on our agenda. We were worried about people on the ground and getting them out. Um, if, for those of you who don't, I'll, I'll say this. I don't know how Paul's going to respond to this, but from the little bit of research I did, Paul, um, 
is estimated to have gotten a th- saved a thousand people's lives, gotten a thousand people out of Afghanistan who would have otherwise not got out of Afghanistan, and that he was the most successful person in the world at that time at organizing being part or, or that team that Paul was. Would you say you were the hub for co- sort of the comms hub? Um. So I, I don't want to. Uh... I definitely don't want to call myself the most successful. I, I, you know, I, I, okay, well, I, I saw it in the Washington post. I saw in the Washington post, they called, they called you the most successful (laughs) at, at, at at doing this. So I'll say it. Post can call me that. I'll I'll take it. Even though they're Um, fucking liars. I I wish someone else would have said it. They are liars (laughs) of the highest order, but, but, but I'm going to agree with them this time. Uh, I appreciate that. That that's a huge compliment coming from you. Yep. Yep. Um, I'm going to grab my ankles for you, buddy. (laughs) So, yeah. So the, the, the best way to kind of explain the way it, it transpired was we would be kind of that, that middleman. So we had people reaching out to us, whether they were, uh, it was their interpreter, uh, an Afghan soft type, like special operations type that they worked with, uh, or other, and then, you know, politicians, celebrities at some points, just random phone calls that we would get. Um, and we would take that information, vet those people, and then if they needed to, uh, the the perfect instance of this was was Gan Wick. Uh, we would facilitate some type of extract, uh, whether it was vehicle movement or just them somehow getting to a specific point to be picked up, stuff like that, uh, to the airport, and then get out. So that that was kind of how we we played that role. Uh, we didn't want to we had people on the ground, we were utilizing them. We weren't trying to, you know, do anything crazy in terms of getting people killed. That was our biggest goal. Were there any, um, did you have any American soldiers or contractors who were outside the gate? Uh, there were people at points outside the gate. And and how crowded was, was the airport getting, was there ever a concern that too many people were going to get in? Was it ever getting overcrowded inside? the? I mean, they, there were multiple times where, uh, the airport was, I mean, even in the early days, the airport was overrun. That's what, you know, those, those images you saw of people, uh, falling off the plane, stuff like that. Um, that's because the airport was completely overrun. Imagine how scared you'd have to be for your life to throw your, was that throwing the baby shit over the fence reel? Yes. Uh, imagine throwing uh, your baby over the fence, being so scared. That's some Auschwitz shit. That's like some Jews on the train shit. Like here, and, take and my that kid. was uh, that video I told you about, uh, Mike Wahlberger. I'll actually yeah. send you guys a link to that after. Um, they used a lot of, so he actually was was gotten to some shit because of that video. But uh, they they used a lot of that footage in an HBO documentary that came out recently. Um, it's you know it's pretty crazy the stuff that was the I, I can't even begin to imagine uh, what the, those folks on the ground were seeing, um, and especially. Obviously, you know, 13 American lives were, were lost on an IED blast at Abbey Gate. But uh, people, you know, people were desperate. Uh, every, every, you know, people were there to to run for their lives, escape uh, a regime change that they, they were certain they were going to die. Right. So. The thing, the thing with the raping of the women, ma'am. Yeah, it, it, it's like it's too much. Yeah, uh, and I mean, 
and, and was there ever was there ever a gun battle at the, at that airport? Was there ever a fight uh, at the airport? During the IED blast, um, there were. Uh, I, I've I've talked to people that were there during that, and uh, they explicitly told me that they had rounds flying at them. But but did the U.S. military ever fire back, or they couldn't because they, they didn't did. know who the, they did fire back? I mean, there, there's reports of that where I mean they had that IED blast come, and I mean usually that comes with an attack. That's you know um, that guy was the guy that blew himself up uh, wearing a suicide vest was at the most congested point. He was at a checkpoint. How many, not, uh, where, how many other people died? How many people died in totality? Do you know? I, I don't know offhand. Uh, but there were know, like women but, and I children mean, there. Sure. Clearly it was women just and that- children. Every, everyone under the sun was at that gate. That was, uh, there were a few other gates that were operating. Uh, Black imagine was, shooting your enemy. Imagine shooting someone in the back or killing someone who's trying to run from you, who actually has never done any harm to you. Like I'm trying to understand like, like what Mexico is doing is they're just letting their bad guys come over the border. I would think that the Taliban would have been like, yeah, we'll help everyone get out who wants to get out. <laughs> you know well, what their I belief mean? System, like, their belief system <clears throat> is that, you know, they're, they're going to basically handle that because those people don't believe in what they believe in. Fuck, let them leave then. Yeah, so it's Kenneth, like having uh, a bad guest at your house and, and they want to leave and instead you kill them. It's Kenneth like, the no said a bunch of bunch of Marines died. I, that's what I was talking about with the 13 service members. So yeah. um, it was 11 Marines, a corpsman, and a soldier that uh, passed away that day. Crazy. And, uh, you know, mm. it, that was a very um, a very tense moment because uh, the teams we were working with were at that gate. Uh, one of the conventional soldier I'd mentioned earlier, um, he was kind of floating between gates. And I actually was dealing with him quite a bit because he was at, uh, it was called Black Gate. And that was a gate run by uh, more agencies. Yeah, so those those are the 13, um, you know, and and that that was an incident that they unfortunately knew was coming uh there there was they were told of the threats like that everyone knew there there was a, a serious threat you don't like this part of it no uh i that that your speech gets all your yeah because your speech gets all weird when you talk about this part you know but be, yeah. It, it, yeah you don't like this part yeah makes sense um you know that um, there were a, a lot of life lost uh that could have been prevented i think Meaning what with 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 a, a a a better system at the gate to let people in and out? I think just a better system for all of this. Uh, if it had been the withdrawal had not been so abrupt, if we didn't you know just task <clears throat> service members that weren't even in country to come and uh, get people out in horrible conditions with no real semblance of a plan. Um, let let me play devil's advocate here for a second. Part of me wants to be like, hey, they should have never announced the withdrawal and they should have just withdrew. But then if they would have done that, then people wouldn't have known that, fuck, it's time to leave. Yes and no. But also the, the way it's <clears throat> so uh, obviously <clears throat> Afghan culture is much different than ours. And uh, we encountered this throughout. Um, 
it's basically, you know, whisper down the lane. So we would have people that would somehow get a hold of our call signs um, somehow, you know, or families would like, we'd, we'd be under the impression it was going to be two people and families would show up with 13 people. Uh-huh. And they're like, well, you know, I, I got to bring my cousin, uh, my neighbor, his wife, the guy from across town that, you know, uh, sells us shoes, whatever. And that's just the cultural there, uh, the cultural difference there. Um, and that's what would have happened even, I mean, I, I, I still think this, I think over a year period, if they had worked, I mean, and I, I'm not, you know, by no means am I claiming to be an expert here, uh, on, on logistics or anything like that. Just my thought process is if they had done things slower, I think, uh, this could have been preventable. I think a clear sign that something went completely fucking wrong is, is that, um, Paul is, uh, Alcabee is even involved in this story. The fact that some random dude is saving a thousand people, uh, sh- you should have never been put in that situation. I mean, I- I'm, I'm sure you, I mean, I'm glad you did do it and I'm glad you got the opportunity to it. It's, it's a, on a, if you take the hundred thousand foot view, what a great life experience you had. Like what a cool fucking thing to say, you know, you go apply at Facebook and they're like, can you, can you work quickly with a large group? Oh yes, actually I can't. I mean, maybe the best in the world at it. Fuck, they need yeah. you at Twitter. Um, Elon should fucking hire you to work at Twitter. <laughs> God, you'd be fucking amazing at Twitter. You should be an executive at Twitter. Someone set that up. Let's go. I'm going to yeah. right now. Kind of. I oh, my God. At the moment, so let's go. Fuck, you would kill um, at Twitter. Oh, uh, we're going to yeah. build a wall around here. I'm not going to get too into the Tim Kennedy uh, piece. Um, that's a, a, a touchy one for a lot of people. And uh, if, if any of you want to look into that yourselves, you can. Why don't you want to get, uh, I, I don't know about it, but I, I I know that there's two groups of people. There's people who love him and there's people who can't stand him. Um, is, is that why did something go weird with him? I don't know anything about him. I, all I know, a, a couple uh, of the guys I have on the podcast are friends with him and I know he's involved with uh, building kids schools. Dude's an amazing he, fighter. Well, yeah. And he great was a great fighter. fighter. Yeah. Fuck. What a fighter. A UFC and and fighter. I, I, I thank him for his service. So, so did he go over there? He did. Yeah. And, um, and, and there were, and you're saying that there's some controversial mixed reports. on. There's a lot of controversy uh, surrounding that. Yeah. And, uh, the, yeah, there's a lot of controversy and a lot of, uh, a lot of people that were supposed to get in or, you know, could have gotten in definitely, uh, suffered because of the situations that presented themselves once Tim Kennedy showed up. Okay. Uh, and the reason why you don't you don't want to talk about it, and then I'll leave you alone, is because why you don't want to say anything negative about the situation. I, listen, the the past is the past. Um, I just know that it directly affected a lot of operations that were going on the ground. Um, there wasn't a lot of communication with other people that were there. Okay, uh, and it became a total shit show. Okay, at, at Blackgate. Yeah, um, and hey, I commend the guy for going to help. You know, if if. I, if he helped as many people as his organization claims to have helped, fantastic. Um, I, you know, great. Uh, I personally, I mean, I would be very open to a conversation with him, uh, to kind of understand further. Um, but I, yeah, what happened at that gate definitely screwed things up for a lot of people. Uh, that's inside a plane. Yeah. That plane takes off like that. No seatbelts, no masks. Are those people vaccinated? Uh, I mean, during the evacuation, I mean, I, I, they might maybe they they wrote Vax cards and crayon. Maybe I don't I don't know. I cannot. Have you ever been in one of those? Good questions. Things? 
Have you ever been in one of those? Uh, I've pulled patients off the back of them. Caleb, have you been in one? Yeah. You flew in one of those? I was in the Air Force and fly much, sadly. (laughs) It's not super comfortable. It's like sitting in a... You you ever been in one that's that crowded? Let me see that picture again. Absolutely not. But did you sit on the floor when you were in there? No, there's like little like net seats on the sides they're they not down or something in this one yeah i don't I can't I don't remember if they like install them or if they fold but it's like a like cargo netting and you just sit on it and then you're just on that for a while and that guy behind tim kennedy what's he doing he's just standing watch he's like eyes and ears for for what's going on inside the plane yeah he's probably a load master or a yeah chief or something Paul, are all these dudes tripping? Is the, are all the guys in the U.S. military like what? Yes, the they're fuck all is, mushrooms. Are are all the guys who work for the U.S. military like they they don't prepare you for anything like this ever? No, no. I mean, I, 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 I think being a medic, I was prepared for like humanitarian stuff and like mass casualty incidents, stuff like that. Uh, but I, I don't think anyone was prepared for anything like this. Is that what you are, Caleb? You're a medic? Yeah, we have the same job. Yeah. And, and Caleb's going to hate me for this. And are you in the Air Force, Caleb? Yeah. Shit. I figured it out after a year. I'll have to ask you again. Okay, <laughs> don't get carried away. We're not that. Space close. Force? <laughs> no. It's so weird that that's a branch now. Can't believe it. Do you know anyone who's in the Space Force? I do. Yeah. Oh, both you guys do. Wow. Yeah. Okay. They're kind of oddballs, honestly. They're like, oh they're like weirdos yeah. they're weird yeah there's only one guy that i've met that's not he's in the space force and he's not weird everybody else is like a calm guy like cyber so they're just literal nerds wow. it's hilarious um I, I i can't let it go um meaning this this guy who originally contact this guy so you started this operation with some other guys Someone yep. reached out to you. And then after going down the road a bit, another guy who had a good network said, hey, let's bring our teams together and let's find a way to secure our comms. And so you went with them. And then what you're saying is, is that when other people tried to come in and help, like Tim Kennedy, and that they were outside of your group, it may no. be caused – I'm going to no. stop. I'll stop you. I'll, I'll, okay. I'll break okay. it down Okay. so so we don't get any of this misconstrued. So uh, all right. So, so Tim Kennedy – uh, there, there were a few other organizations that were on the ground. Um, and like I said, you know, great, great effort helping people. I wish there was more communication, um, and, and less leverage. Uh, you know, I, I, it's taken me a lot to even really open up about this stuff and start telling the story more. Um, how come, how come I never wanted it to seem like it was for personal game. Uh, okay. I talked to someone. Well, it doesn't so, come across like that at all. We're just all curious as shit. By the way, it doesn't come no, across like right. that even I, this much. Okay. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I spoke to someone that was on the ground, and he did multiple interviews, and uh, he pretty much uh, we were talking about. I was like, "Yeah, CNN." He had just interviewed with CNN, I believe, and I was like, "Yeah, CNN just hit me up for an interview." He's like, "Why didn't you do it?" I was like, "Well, I don't want anyone to misconstrue what I'm doing and what we're doing." Uh, and additionally, I didn't feel like I had anything important to say. Like he covered everything I thought I would have said. Uh, and he, he was on the Who's ground. he? Tim Kennedy? No, no. Jericho Denman. Oh, okay. Uh, and that dude's a, a stud. Uh, okay. Absolute stud. Okay. Um, 
so kudos to him for everything he did. Uh, hey, by the but, way, people, if you're going to name your kid Jericho, he's going in the military or he's going to own a bow or so, he's going to kill something. Just I mean, so you know, he, he, you he name was, kid Jericho. He was a ranger. Uh, I think his brother is a ranger and his father was a ranger as well. So yeah. dude's got a lineage of, of just killing shit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's him right there. Um. So... Okay. Okay. And, and so, so where, where was the confusion when other people started jumping, jumping in? Like what, um, what? It, was so just, it was just bad comms. Yeah. So for us, we were noticing all this stuff. That's why we kind of broke away and did our own thing and it became very apparent. Uh, so we pulled all of our resources together. We started this thing called the network and within signal built out different, uh, groups, so to speak. Right. So each operation for, uh, we had like an op send, so like an op center. And then from there, we would just break down whether it was a specific operation or a specific task. Um, and we had different people allocated to different groups. So we kind of created basically the people that needed specific information had that information. No one else had that information. Uh, and that's how we, we ran our operation uh, successfully. And our goal was to make sure no one got killed. And uh, I think we met that. Uh, and and all of us were were very relieved that that happened. We, we did have a close call. Um, but, you know, fortunately that that panned out. But, uh, yeah, so just within these other groups, there, there was a ton of, of leaks, right? So perfect uh. example is uh, John. Um, so, I, so I basically got put in charge of this this overarching uh called this group called the network and john and i uh along with tristan who at the time was an active uh green beret he's out now he actually uh fortunately moved to philly so we, we see each other occasionally um he he and i so john and i had began to move this one family and we had a uh oga operator who uh, they're like contractors. So OGA, OGA. Yeah. So other government uh, agents. Other, other, oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank so you. basically, uh, you know, a military contractor, he was moving to this family to grab them. Uh, we had briefly mentioned to another organization that this was going on. Well, this operator got there to, to meet this family. This family was waiting for this operator and like 500 other people showed up. Um, you know, so that put us in a pretty precarious spot. Literally uh, and, 500? And literally 500 people. It's a fucking yeah. full mob. Yeah. So like we have this one guy sitting on a bus with a rifle, like waiting to pick this family up. Uh, and you know, all like this flood of people shows up and luckily it panned out. Luckily, you know, no one got hurt. Um, and you know, we were managed, we, we managed to get the people uh, and get in, but yeah, there, there were situations like that where, uh, inf you know, information was just being passed out way too easily. And, uh, a lot of lives were, were put at risk. Yeah. I was going to say at the end of the day, the, is, is that dude in the van an American? Yes. Yeah. It's fucking nuts. At the end of the day, that guy's doing something that's completely out of his fucking, uh, call of duty right i mean he, th th there's no requirement yeah i mean he's completely he's threatening the happiness of the fucking hundred people who know him at home his wife his kids his mom yeah. and dad and, he, and 
Yeah, it's fucking nuts. There's a component of massive selfishness to it in the in the component of massive selflessness. And yeah. no one no one should be jeopardized. Everyone should be doing something to help support those people, not put those people at further risk. Yeah. And I mean it, it became uh there were people involved with other organizations that should have never been involved. And and you know, I'm thankful those people wanted to help and, and give their support and stuff, but uh, you know. I'll say yeah, it's, it is, a, right? it's like, the mother-in-law really, scenario. Never, it's when your mother-in-law yeah. comes to your house and she thinks she's helping and she's just fucking causing chaos. She's interfering yes. in every fucking routine and protocol in the house and, yeah. and, and everything's getting fucked up. Yeah. I hope and, that resonates uh, I, with I mean, a lot of you. That, that was kind of where it was going. Right. So it, yeah. it like it, it got pretty crazy. Um, I mean, most of us had minimal sleep. I remember, uh, I was talking to Tristan. I'd probably been up for about six days at this point and maybe, you know, a 45 minute nap here or there if I could. Um, I, it was around five 30 in the morning and I was talking to Tristan. I'm like, all right, dude, I'm, I'm going to try and get a few hours of sleep. I'll, I'll talk to you later. And this guy calls me, it's an Afghan number. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> so I answer. And then he starts sending me like, I can't really hear him. He starts sending me uh, voice notes on on uh, WhatsApp, and this guy sounded like he was about to die, like he was getting just crushed by people at Abbey Gate. Um, and I, I still have all the voice notes. It was, it was a pretty. I was certain the guy was going to die. I called Tristan. I'm like, this guy is, is fucked. And, and did you uh, know him? Was he a guy that you guys were working to no, get? He no. got my number from whoever, pretty much, right? Oh but yeah, I, and that could fuck everything up if your number got that, passed that out. That guy, yep. Yeah. I, I, my number was passed out. You know, I was getting called my, like people were calling my mom at one point, you know, like so this guy like, had someone, this guy had someone take a picture of him and then sent it to you and said, this no, is no. Me. So he was taking pictures. He was just showing me where he was. Um, oh, so I told oh. him, I wish I had, I wish I had posted more of that, but, uh, I had shown, I, so he had sent me photos of himself. I sent him the green feet. Um, he knew how did you know to vet him? How do you know he's not a guy with an IED on him? So that's the thing, right? So I had to talk to him and get all the specific stuff from him, all the specific information beforehand. Uh, and I did, I have no idea where, where in the world this guy is now, but, uh, he was convinced my name was Charlie. Uh, cause that was the call sign for the day. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, he ended up getting to the PJs on the ground. They grabbed him, got him in. Um, and he was, he was very lucky, but Wow. I can't imagine doing that by myself. I would, I would, I would definitely, I mean, I guess I have a wife and kids. I also can't imagine being in that situation with my wife and my kids. Yeah. I mean, you know, you think about it, uh, the service members that were there, uh, a lot of them weren't, even, they weren't in country. They were flown in specifically for this. It's not like, um, and I mean, they had no idea what was going to transpire. Um, can you tell me the story about the close call? Uh, there were a few of them. So, um, close call. Are you talking about from the text? No, I, I just, earlier you had mentioned that we got all the people that we tried to get out. We got out safely, but there was a close call. Yeah, I mean, you know, like the bus. It sounds like everyone was a close call. Yeah, to, to be honest, <laughs> to, to be honest, yes, uh, everyone was a close call. Um, but, uh, so Gan, I would say Ganwick is probably the, uh, 
the epitome of a close call. So uh, basically what ended up happening, uh, I'll mention Rob again, shout out to Rob. Um, he got a phone call from a, uh, a allied, like a, a, one of our allies, you know, a special operator over there. Uh, he got a call from him saying, hey, we got this, uh, we have a joint asset for the U.S. and that country, uh, and we need to get him out. He's like, you know, high priority from the top, need to get him out. Okay, like, so okay. so like, so someone in the NATO forces, like a French guy, let's say, calls and says, hey, this is an important asset to both France and the U.S. Can you guys get, can yes. you get this guy out? Is it one guy yep. or is it multiple guys? One guy. Okay. So one guy. What makes someone a valuable asset, Paul? Uh, he was a special operator who also supported, uh, various intelligence agencies. But he was in Afghan. Yes. There's Afghans that get the title special operator. Yep. Yeah. Okay. We, uh, okay. are, you know, so, I mean, that's, that was kind of the, the special forces mission set over there. And then, uh, I believe Naval special warfare, uh, also was in that role. Pretty much every special oper- operations, uh, task force from the u.s at one point or another was doing that where they were training um you know afghans in those roles so whether it was true or not someone cared enough about this guy to vouch for him oh it was true this dude was he's he's a hard motherfucker and um, he, know, I, I and he, and he knows some shit he's like a like a double oh, yeah, agent he, taliban guy he never did any like double agent shit to my knowledge but uh he he did some shit Okay, for sure. Okay. And, he and he's was, born he's in and he's born in Afghanistan. Man. And he's born there. Yes. He's a local. Okay, yeah, he, okay. He's a very wanted man. Okay. Um so as this is all transpiring, uh, you know, that call comes in. He's across the city at an airport or uh, at a house rather from from the airport. And they have no vehicle. So we're trying to figure this out. As this is happening, and, and this is how it would work, right? Like the universe kind of just delivers. Um, as this is happening, uh, one of my buddies who was involved in the group who works for a defense contractor hits me up and he's like, Hey, uh, I have a contracted bus. I really, uh, everyone on it is, um, either a vetted, you know, Afghan or an American citizen. Uh, and I need to get it into the gate. But at this point, no one had gotten a bus into the gate. Uh, so I started, because you, how uh, the fuck do you open the gate without everyone storming in, right? Well, there were, yeah, exactly, right. So you you basically have to utilize American forces at that point to hold the line, get the vehicle in. Um, so at this point, no buses had gotten in. Uh, I made some phone calls. Uh, this was that conventional dude I had mentioned. Um, he came in. Dude's an absolute legend for this. Uh, I knew that I could kind of leverage this guy's position of being, you know, a very high profile individual that, that both these governments needed. And I started talking to that guy's command. I talked to uh, this guy's handler and basically an operator was supposed to come grab him when the bus got there. Uh, that was kind of the deal. Um, so you told these because- people on this bus, this, these people on this bus were like, Hey, we need to get in. And you said, yeah, but you got to pick my guy up first. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, yo, you know, this guy and his family need to get on your bus and I'll make sure the bus gets in. Oh, and his and, family uh, and his family. Yeah, so him plus his family. Yeah. And uh, what ends up happening um, and can you, uh, can you pull the photo of him up? Uh, it should be. I, I think you know which photo. But uh, what ends up happening is they're 
at the house getting ready to leave to go meet up with this bus at a rally point and this Taliban hit squad shows up. So, you know, now Gam Wick had to do what he had to do and, and ended up engaging them uh, with his personal rifle uh, and kind of schwacked a few. And then they basically rolled out and just left, went to the bus. Can you imagine and that? that and, and Wow. So that's them. Um, oh, that's shit. That, he's got a big family. I think that might he's got he's got four people with them. Yep. Yeah. And like a sequin shirt, which to me is, is always amazing. <laughs> So he has to kill some guys and then say goodbye to his house for the last time. That guy never went. Yes. Is that guy in the U.S. now? He's in the U.S., yeah. Yeah. Um, and he he's uh, – I've been trying to help him find a job. I actually got to reach back out to him. I haven't talked to him in a, uh, about a month. But, uh, you know, we're trying to help him get employment. Um, he's a great dude. And, uh, yeah, he's super thankful. Like, he sends me photos of his kids and stuff. And, yeah. Is that inside the airport? That's inside the airport. So that was nope. actually, that was basically their proof of life photo. So the dude who got them in, um, and his, his page is uh scope set culture. Uh, that's his, his brand that he runs. So if you guys want to support, uh, he does some amazing work. Um, so he was the, the conventional soldier at that gate that, that really saved a lot of lives and just super selfless the entire time. Uh, it says I, I'm at a website that says soft scope uh, culture. What's he sell? Oh, shirts. Uh, yeah, shirts, patches, hats, stuff like that. Um, see that vehicle in the background? That thing that looks like a, a some armored yep. vehicle. Yep. Is that the kind of shit we left behind? Uh, those were left behind. Yeah. Uh, basically, they're rendered as inoperable as they could be by whoever was on the ground, most likely. But I mean, who knows if you know? I'm sure. Uh, China, Russia, Iran probably got their hands on them to to understand the technology better. That would be my guess. Why did they just blow everything up? Uh, they did blow up a lot of stuff for sure. Why wouldn't they? Why wasn't it part of the plan to evacuate the, the goods? Too much work. Um, I, I feel like that's always built into the budget too. It's just like leave shit, you know. God, it's so it's so weird. Is is that story really true? Like you know, like the stories you hear, like the 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 equipment we left would build like the you know the twenty second strongest army on the planet, or like did we really leave that much shit there? Did you ever? Did anyone ever tell you like, holy fuck, I saw a row of helicopters as far as the eye could see? I don't know. I don't know personally. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sure everyone's going to have some type of opinion on it, but uh, there we go. There's. The Afghan's military. You know, but honestly, but honestly, who 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 really wants a Humvee? Let's let's be clear here. Like, <laughs> I don't. So only four uh, helicopters were left behind and two tanks. Yeah, and I mean, so here weirdly, so if you look at this number uh, in terms of helicopters, I, I feel like they probably had more Russian-made helicopters that were utilized by like the CIA and stuff that probably aren't listed there, but um. Could could you um could you put uh look up Caleb what was left at um Harmid Karzai Airport that w- w- was the was the airport considered a military base a U.S. military base? I not leading up to it. No. Okay. So no. was the was the equipment that was left was it left there at the airport? 
Uh, there was a good amount of equipment left there uh, for sure. But I mean, we're talking like multiple bases, like, uh, you know, Bagram, uh, Kandahar, you know, various other. So it wasn't uh, just one base we left. We just picked up and left the whole country. We evacuated several bases. Yeah. And, and, and they congregated at the airport. And yeah. Then lifted like, off. uh, Bagram, they just like dipped out in the middle of the night. They're like, all right, see you. Bye. Like the Afghans were pissed. Like some Afghan general came out. He's like, they just left in the middle of the night. Absolutely. Absolutely nuts. Absolutely nuts. Um, um, are you, are, is any of this like hard on you? Like, do you struggle with any of this? Did you see things, hear things? Is there any, is there any, how, how is your life? Um, I definitely struggle with like, uh, the people I couldn't get out. Um, there was a guy I worked with for a long time after, uh, and it, it became very taxing and unfortunately he couldn't get out. Um, his family there, he and his family are still there. He's a amputee. Uh, he was, a um, Afghan special operations, uh, lost his leg in a targeted attack and he was directly supporting, um, us special forces. And we couldn't get him out. And that definitely, uh, definitely, you know, I carry that with me for sure. Um, was this more traumatic for you than your four years in? Uh, it's a different kind of trauma, I'd say, right. Like, uh, this was completely unexpected. And I mean, I I think the weirdest moment during it was maybe traumatic is not the right word. Harder to process. I'll use the word process. Traumatic. I think it's harder to process for everyone because it was a total clusterfuck that none of us expected, uh, in terms of being involved in. But, uh, I I think one of the weirder mornings, and again, I'll say this, I I was never in Afghanistan and I woke up that this was actually the same night where the dude, I helped that guy get in and I finally went to sleep and I woke up, I like three hours later, I went to sleep maybe around like eight in the morning, woke up around 11 and I thought I was in Afghanistan. Oh, it was fucking weird. Wow. Wow. (laughs) And I had to like snap out of it. I was like, where the fuck am I? You know, wow. like that, that was, that was how long I had been like sleep deprived. Like, you know, I was like, I remember I was on phone calls with people like snapping, just like yelling at them because like I, uh, <laughs> this one, uh, congressman's aide who, um, wouldn't allocate, he basically wouldn't allow us to speak to the congressman after, uh, multiple phone calls and numerous other things. Uh, and he he kind of had the audacity to tell us how he was a veteran, and John and I fucking lost it on the phone. We're like, "Fuck you!" <laughs> like, just lost it on this guy because we're like, "Dude, like, you're talking about being a veteran, but you're not willing to to actually put it on the line right now and help these people and help us." Well, we're, you know, or like, um, do you think that they didn't want to talk to you to keep it, uh, arms distance in case that something went sideways and they they could most likely you know, have possible deniability? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's, that's what it was throughout. Right. Like I remember, uh, you know, and again, I, I I don't have any, um, I gotta be very real with this, uh, because I, I just like, I don't have any animosity. Like no one knew what the fuck to do during the situation. Right. But I, I do think there was a level of, uh, I remember calling a very high ranking individual's office and, uh, it was a Saturday night. And his aide was like, yeah, 
he's out at dinner. And I'm like, oh, I fucking wish I could be out at dinner too because I'm a fucking civilian and I should be out at dinner right now, right? And uh, this dude's out at dinner and and me and a bunch of other veterans and, and you know, other individual, even some active duty military folks were, were actively engaged in this in our free time. Um, and I think that was, that was hard to process. And again, that's not the government. That's just individuals you have to deal with. Like, it's it's so unbelievable it's like um it's like you know you hear about startups like you know microsoft or apple starting in a garage and it's cute this isn't cute this is like a startup to save people's lives that someone else had massive resources didn't do right yeah it's like it's yeah. it's like you're standing out there with your hose putting out your neighbor's house as it burns down while the fire department's just off like cleaning their truck. Like there's a piece of it that just does not make sense at all. It's so it's so uh and, and then on the other hand, God, you gotta be so thankful for technology. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing, right? I mean, the fact that we were able to coordinate these these efforts through literally WhatsApp and Signal. Um and big shout like Seriously, the signal, the folks that, that work on signal, uh, I, you know, that is the encryption and everything there. Cause obviously WhatsApp's not the best, uh, in terms of that, uh, the folks that are working over at signal are, are really doing great work, uh, especially when it comes to like humanitarian side of things. Who owns signal? I don't know. I think it's, it's this, like, uh, I think it's actually like a volunteer run thing. Because God knows WhatsApp isn't is as corrupt as their parent company. I have to assume. I tried to get my Instagram account back this morning again for the thousandth time. Uh, Signal is now developed by Signal Messenger LLC, a software company founded by Mokti, uh, Marlon Spike, and Brian Acton in 2018, which is wholly owned by a tax exempt nonprofit. Okay, so it is just owned by one person. Yeah, I'm sure there's all sorts of uh, conspiracy theories that that's really just an FBI or CIA. Maybe company, but what isn't anymore? Right. Like, I, right. I don't know. Right. 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 Uh, he sold the company now though. Eric Utley. God, there's a smart group of people in here. Much smarter than me. Thank you uh, for that information. And then, and then um, it, it sounds like this thing never winds down because you're attached to these people for eternity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, now it's, uh, you know, uh, you're kind of bonded to them, I think in a lot of ways. And I mean, it was hard to, to really separate myself from it. Like, uh, I think there, there were some like weird ones too. I had a photographer reach out to me, uh, you know, based on my background, he had followed me, I think for a while. And, uh, I tried to help him get out and he had no, you know, just a young photographer that had no, no, he he wasn't. He never worked for the American governments or any you know NATO governments, nothing like that. He's like, dude, I just need to get the fuck out of here. I was like, well, like let me let me see what I can do, right? And uh, you know, trying to help this dude, and uh, he was worried because he's a decently followed photographer on Instagram. I'm like, okay, let me let me see what I can do here. And uh, it was really funny because I his sister had you know been to the Netherlands. And I'm like, oh, like, let's start reaching out to some Dutch people and see if we can, you know, organize something here. And this Dutch photographer hit me up and he started making some phone calls. And uh, we ended up figuring out that 
we could get them out because his sister had a Dutch visa. But everyone was like, yo, you need to say that you're her son. Oh. <laughs> they get to the gate and she goes, he's my brother. And the Dutch soldiers like threw him off the gate. And he, he like falls down, like breaks his arm. He's like, his sister left, just left, dipped out of the country. He's like stuck there still. But I mean, he's, he still posts photos, like, you know, stuff like that. And I mean, holy I, like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's crazy, right? Stuff like that happened, you know, and I'm laughing about it as like a nervous reaction. But yeah, that type of shit happened there. Um, there were some weird stories where you're just like, how, like, how? I just typed in um, Af- uh, Afghanistan into Google just to see what the headlines are. Student killed as bomb blast hits Afghan school. At least 15 killed in Afghan- Afghanistan school bombing. Um, 24 wounded. Um, uh, uh, Biden spokesperson on Pentagon's new findings on Afghan uh, Afghanistan exit as a disaster. Would you sum it up as a disaster? I would. Yeah. I mean, I, I, in terms of what it could have been, yeah. A year in the Taliban escalates its war against girls and, and education. Talked about that early on. White House, House pushes back <clears throat> on bombshell. Department of Defense report on Afghanistan withdrawal. Uh, Bruce Wayne asked a question about what does he do now? Are you referring to me or to uh, the photographer I mentioned? You, you, what are you doing Me? now? Yeah, I know. Uh, well, now. I work in a, a marketing gig uh, for a great company called Edgar Sherman Design. Uh, so I do that mostly, uh, trying to get my freelance business back off the ground, maybe. We'll see. But that's about it. And, and, you're, been, in what, uh, and you're in what state? Well, I'm in Philly, but I've been actually living in my truck for the better part of the year. So I was out west. You weren't living in your truck in Philly, were you? No, I wouldn't do that. Oh, no way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Hard pass on that. Um, yeah. Wait, so, but you're uh, in Philly I, now. Why are you in Philly of all the places to be? So uh, I'll, I'll break down the story. That kind please of, tell me uh, there's a girl. Please tell me there's a girl. There isn't a girl. Oh, uh, that's a the, nice break down. The, wow. Yeah, man. So that's that's home. <laughs> uh, and I'm I'm super thankful. I actually built that when I did. Um, because basically ap- two weeks after all the Afghan stuff, I lost my job. Uh, was never given a reason, just lost my job. Uh, on a Thursday night, I got a text, um, from my, my, or I didn't even get a text. I got an email and I wouldn't have even seen it. Um, so I get this email and I text him and I'm like, yo, am I getting fired tomorrow? And he's like, just bring in your stuff. And I'm like, so I'm getting fired. Cool. Uh, so the next day I go in and lose my job. You don't know why and, you were uh, fired? I don't, I mean, I had, I, there were internal issues at the company. I'll, I'll be clear on that. Um, with but you, no, I, I was never you, given a reason. Internal issues with you? Like you've been fighting with someone? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. So, um, is what it is. Uh, you know, no, no bad blood anymore, but, uh, I, so lost my job, uh, kind of bounced around for a bit the same week, my, my apartment, uh, cause I was living in Florida they raised my rent like $900 a month because um, Florida things. Because so, Californians were coming in and fucking your shit up. New Yorkers mostly. Perfect. But I'm from Philly, so it's not much. It might actually be worse. So, 
but uh you know it, and, and so that was your rig you had that set up and you're like fuck it i'm hitting the road uh yeah so once i kind of like turned in my keys uh my mom had covid weirdly uh but she's susceptible to actually having uh severe covid because she had copd so she ended up in the icu for uh seven or eight weeks I'm sorry uh, to hear that. and then no it's she recovered uh miraculously she ended up in a rehab facility uh which almost killed her um but she was i believe the most severe case of covid at that hospital that recovered and uh i ended up at home for four months taking care of her uh with my father and then basically just decided uh late spring i was like screw it i'm gonna go on the road and I lived out West just in the back country mostly. Uh, so, you know, Colorado, uh, Montana, Wyoming, Idaho, uh, Oregon, Washington, just bounced around. It was, it was really dope. Wow. That is cool. Just by yourself. Yep. By myself. And then came back to help family for a little bit. Do you have a dog? I do. Yeah. Did you take so the dog he, uh, on the trip? You know, I wanted to, he unfortunately is not the best, uh, adventure companion. He's uh, a hundred pound pit bull that is mm. unfortunately scared of the world. Sounds like a lawsuit waiting to happen. Uh, no, he's like, he's, he's way too friendly for that. That's he's what you all idiot. say. That's what you guys are. Oh, God, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I still got don't, a little liberal in me. I don't like wrong. a pit bull. I believe the pit bull propaganda. I, I don't believe the COVID propaganda. I believe the pit bull. Uh, I don't know, man. Here's the thing. Cuddle with you for for hours. Here's the thing with those dogs. I have the number one biting dog in the world. It's the Chihuahua. More bites per dog than any other dog. The thing is, don't judge my pit bull if you have a Chihuahua. We can't. No. (laughs) The thing is, is that a Chihuahua bites you and runs. I used to have Danes. They're very similar pit bulls. Once they grab you, it's to the death. Have you ever seen your dog fight? No, because he's not fighting anything. All right, all right, fine. <laughs> he lays on the couch. That's all, all right, he cares all right. about. I'm going to put it right here. I'm going to put a note. Pit bulls are nice on your pit. He's going to put a note that says Just, pit bull owner. Do not engage. Pit bulls are nice. <laughs> there, I, you, you've convinced me. Um, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, and, and, and thank you for, for what you've done. Uh, it's cool. Uh, how, how old are you? Uh, 31. Yeah you're um you're going to all of that stuff you've done i i i I promise you this all the stuff you've done is in your life and all all those things they will they will flower like right now it's just shit it's just fertilizer right but those memories and those things in the next 10 20 years you'll draw from and bounds of creativity will come from you I mean, so much creativity is now going to spawn from you from the life experience you have. And so, and, and th- all those skills that you acquired, I mean, I know, you know, all this, I don't, I, I hope this isn't coming across as a lecture, but um, no, I appreciate this. this is yeah. It's going to be, um, it, it's, it's going to be fucking nuts. And it's no, it's no joke. It, 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 I, I mean it with a hundred percent, um, conviction that you would be an amazing executive at Twitter. They need, companies that need to be fucking agile and that have tremendous impact need, need people like you. And so, I mean, to, to someone with a brain, they're going to realize that there's no Harvard MBA. There's no Stanford MBA. There's no, no one has the experience you have and people, someone smart's going to see it and uh, take advantage of you. 
and, and let them, let them use you. You're an amazing tool and an amazing asset and let them use you. Find someone. That's the greatest thing in life. If you can find someone who uses you, so many people are afraid to be used. You want to be used. Depends what context, I guess. Right. Well, as long as you just just be honest and stay with like your integrity. Night context or yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. I just I just I just love friends that just know how to use me, and uh, and, and someone someone's gonna figure no, sure. it out. Someone's gonna like, figure it out, and uh, just it's like be awesome. you know how we met through Alpha Brew, right? Like, right. Um, you know, Ricky, uh, the founder. You know, he's my best friend, and um, what's Ricky's we last very name? Well, and Doyon. Okay, is he Armenian? No. no what's his last name again? Korean. Doyon, D-O-Y-O-N. Oh, oh, my mom's gonna fucking rip me for that. That I didn't know how to spell like that or her. Uh, you know, it sounds like it could end in I-A-N. Doyon, D-O-Y-I-A-N. It could be, yeah, but it's not. He's Korean. Apparently, Heidi wants to use me, so yeah, Heidi would love to Heidi slide in the DMs. Heidi would love to use you. All right, brother. Bring your rig to Wisconsin. Yeah, I appreciate uh, your time. Yeah, you the man. Have me on. Yep, you, you have awesome. my phone number. Stay in touch. Uh, For you're sure. A great, you're a great dude, and I appreciate you um, helping out the podcast by coming on and giving your time and helping me grow this thing. Oh, you guys are amazing, and I, you know, can't wait to see where this goes. Awesome. All right, dude. Stay in touch. All right, guys. Have a great day. Ciao. See you, Paul. See you guys. Doesn't even seem real. It's insane. Doesn't even seem real. Just looking around at all the stuff that we have here. Yeah. And then just imagining trying like trying to move all of those people and all of their shit. Are you fenced in where you're at? Yeah. Is it a good fence? You trust it? No. No. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's not like it's not 48 inches of cinder block, 20 feet high. No, it's like razor wire that's probably about waist high in some you, places. You know what's funny is you I I always look at airports. I'm like I and I'm like none of, no airport is ever secure. Like I I used to always drive right by the San Diego airport when I lived down there. I'm like fucking any Tom Dick or Harry could just walk out onto the tarmac. Absolutely. It's not secure. Yeah, it's nuts. Beep test. Not being advised not to be used in Ireland. You never had to do that. Oh, I had to do. I had to do beep test, but I, I would just. But I was a pussy. I would just. I was. I would just tap early. I was like the first kid out. Like you some like fat, the minimum, and you're like, All like right, some I'm fat tired. girls out, and then me, and then the <laughs> me, and then that's it. That way, you don't feel bad about yourself. No, just that like she truly probably couldn't run, and I could run a little bit. <laughs> There must be a good beep test app. I'm going to start doing those with my kids. I have my kids uh, run line sprints at the tennis courts, but beep tests are cool. That'd be perfect for them. Yeah, they would love that. Uh, Oh, shit. Paul Saladino released a statement on Liver King. Oh, let's go look at that. I have have said from the beginning, I don't give a fuck if that guy's like what he's on. I don't care. And and, and I don't – I never was – I still, I still take a handful of those pills every day, and I, and I got, and I got his protein powder back here, which is tasty as all get out. 
And I, I was never taking those pills thinking I'm going to look like the liver king. His issue of, 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 of lying about it, um, that's on him. Uh, I, I, I still like Brian Johnson. Like I told you, as soon as that video came out, I called him. And I actually, and I thought, the, except for that whole thing about him being a charlatan, what a charlatan was. Other than that, I, I thought the, the, the piece the guy did, uh, Plates and Dates guy, I thought it was pretty respectful. And I thought the piece Hiller did was respectful. Just hating on people for shit. I mean, uh, okay, let's see. Um, my response to Liver King steroids. I'm deeply disappointed. Integrity is everything. By the way, these guys are good friends. They're like family members. And it appears that Brian has not been truthful. As his friend for more than five years, long before social media presence, I feel misled and disappointed like so many of you. I don't. It's not on me. I don't have trust issues because it's not a metric I use. Yes, if I found out my wife was um, sleeping with another guy, it would fucking break my heart. At the end of the day, I don't have any fucking control over that. It's not how I live my life. It's not how you – know, I hate to be so fucking arrogant, but it's not how enlightened people or people who are on the path to enlightenment live. Though our message has have been similar in the past, they have always been distinct. Yeah, I don't – come on, Paul. It's your homie. Really? Is now the time to say that? I love Paul too. I continue to believe deeply in the power of dietary choices like an animal-based diet to create health in humans. And I believe this message is far too important to be sullied in any way by untruthfulness or lack of integrity on Brian's part. My mission has been and will always, because Brian's a huge advocate of that, right? But Liver King is like, like I think the plates and dates guys said it and everyone said it. Like his message is, is, is clean. His message is cool. His message is healthy. My mission, my mission has been and will always be to create content and share knowledge that helps people heal from um, illness and find fullness of life. I will always remain truth. So because he doesn't feel obligated to tell the truth about what kind of drugs he takes. I don't know. I, I, I tell you guys nonstop not to eat sugar. And I purposely hide from you my kid's birthday party where we're eating an ice cream cake. Let it be known. I purposely hide it from you. I do not want you to see it. Doesn't mean that doesn't happen, of course. And if you're, and if yeah, and if you're disappointed that you that that you can't look like Liver King, like you're you're never going to look like anyone. Even if you did steroids, you're not going to look like Liver King. You'd have to be doing twelve thousand dollars a month worth of steroids. I wonder if I wonder. Good morning, Susa. I, I I wonder if I I know they're such close good friends. I wonder if Paul passed that by Liver King before he posted it, or if he said, "Liver King, will you write it for me?" I, I hope it. I hope it's something like that. Hey, <clears throat> it's the same thing along the lines. I'll never forget when uh, the the Joe Rogan um, video came out. That compilation of him. Um, using racial slurs came out and Jocko Willick made a statement that was supposed to be defending him. And I'm thinking, God, who needs friends? Like who needs enemies when you have friends like Jocko, <laughs> like fuck off. It's like when people post in the YouTube comments, I don't know. I don't agree with everything. Sevon says, I hate or, that fucking or, line. or yeah, he is creepy, but I really like his show. Like, Hey, go fuck He's yourself. Creepy. Like, like, I, like you po- you post on Reddit, you post on YouTube, like you attack, like, Shut the fuck up. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't need you to post anything. I really love my wife, but those globs of hair on the side of the shower really piss me off. By the way, my wife doesn't do that, but it's like, fuck off. 
at this time we're rethinking our relationship with him. You know why I'm sensitive to that too is because my 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 dad my dad's a great guy by the way. Love my dad to death. So fucking cool. She, she shows me unconditional love. But my dad's the kind of guy where every no matter what something has to be tweaked. So if I have him over for dinner and he's eating, he's like, this could use a little more garlic. This is great. It's never just like. <sighs> That's like, just dude, him Brian, though. You, yeah. can't, you, can't, you can't internalize that. Even it if was, you did solve the problem, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be satisfied. All these. Say that again. That even if you did solve the problem, you wouldn't be satisfied. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know what I mean? You made me think, Caleb, you know what I'm going to do? Because that is my dad's thing. This could use more garlic. Next time he's over, I'm just going to have a handful of garlic like behind my back. He's like, this could use a little more garlic. I'm like, no shit. Wow. Look, I have more. Bam. It's your world, dad. I'm just living in it. <laughs> yeah. What a great line. <laughs> Not just that. That's a great idea. Should I grab you some more? No, just solve the problem here. Don't yeah. even ask questions. Bam. Fucking garlic. <laughs> the thing, the thing too is, is um, it's it's like we had someone on the other day, and it's like, it's actually talking to my sister about this last night. She was telling me that Jesus spent a lot of time by himself, and but but he did, but he also did hang out with like you know, some some shady element, and I've I've hung with oh, there's my sister right there. And I've hung out with a ton of shady element. I hung out with a ton of shady element. I mean, but but you do need time by yourself. You need a lot of time by yourself. By the way, great. I we had that guest on the other day, and I and I can't remember. He was a Christian. I was like, yeah, but what would Jesus do? Like, like I don't like. I don't think he'd be hating on those people. He slapped him around. Didn't he flip a table over once at a bar mitzvah, at a, at a bazaar? <laughs> he did. Um, uh, Hulk Hogan went around saying, train, say your prayers, eat your vitamins. Didn't say, I'm Terry Bola acting for the WWE. Oh, is that his name? Yeah. He's a billboard. <laughs> I, I I am really glad that in that breakdown of the pl- the plates and dates guy, in that email, he did show that he takes all of his own supplements. And by the way, I was on the phone last night with Hiller and we're like, you, you know how like um these actresses release these tapes where they're taking the cock and they, they, le- they leaked, you know what I'm talking about? So what mm-hmm. it does is the number one form of media on the planet is pornography by far, hands down. There's nothing, there's no second place. And so what you do, but people in that business are ostracized. What a trippy phenomenon, right? So you're the number one form of downloaded and consumed media, but if you're in that, you can't make the jump to mainstream media. Like you can't be like sucking dick on porn tube and then be reporting the news on on CNN <laughs> because they're because they're hypocrites, even though all those people after they get off work at CNN are going over to their porn tube. The whole Download thing is, is yeah, that is what hypocrisy is. But but anyway, um uh so what they do to 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 get around that is they release the tape about themselves on purpose so that they're not a pornographer and they can stay mainstream, but play the victim. Right. And so you got screwed. Right. So it's kind of cool. You now get to have the most downloaded piece of content in the world. You bang in some basketball player, 
but you don't have to be ostracized. It's, 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 it's a, it's a masterful. I, so Hiller and I were like, maybe that's what the liver King did. Like release those on purpose. I mean, he's being talked about now more than probably ever. Right. Yeah. And one thing that was interesting in those emails, I think you already talked about it was that the fact that he actually follows the regiment that he preaches other than the fact that he may also be taking steroids, right? The first thing I thought is, does he really sleep on that piece of wood? Like That's what I does? thought, That's too. the first thing I thought. We would have talked about his sleep, like him like waking up uh, multiple times throughout the night. Is that what you're referring to in those emails? When he talks about that to yeah. the doctor, he's like, I sleep like shit. I was like, yeah, well, you're on a freaking pallet. Oh, he's no, no, no. I just thought, I just thought, Saturday, I just thought if he's lying about the steroids, is he lying about the wooden pallet? Oh, wait. Uh, and Liver King reached out to MPM. More plates, more dates. The guy who did the oh. hour long investigative journalism. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know. The whole thing is interesting, right? Yeah. It's all conspiracy. <laughs> they work together. He's part of anyway. I'm just glad that those pills – I looked at those pills, and I was just glad to see that the liver king did at least take those pills, and he still takes those pills because I don't want that – like what if I find out like that's really just sawdust in there? <laughs> hey, if it matters you, your fiber. <laughs> you believe it, it works. Hey, we got to call it a couple minutes. Oh, yeah, at 9? Yeah, that's why I jumped on here too Oh, okay. after the show finished up. Get on. Okay. Just a little. Then, then, then I should. Reminder. Then we should go. I gotta. I gotta. I'm gonna. Um. I need to eat. I haven't. I need to have like a half a banana before that meeting or something. Yeah, yeah. said it. A banana. Oh my god. <laughs> I've. Do you guys know? I was talking to Hillary yesterday about what persimmons are. Maybe we should just have our meeting live. I was talking to Hillary about <laughs> what persimmon. Hillary didn't know what persimmons are. I have so many persimmons. I've been eating like two persimmons a day right now. Do you know? Do you guys. Do you guys know what those are? Oh yeah. no, Caleb. Looks like it. Looks like a tomato. Oh shit! I guess it's a California phenomenon. I've never had one, but I know it exists. Yeah, I've only they're heard of it like once. They're so good. Don't let anyone tell you how about how. If anyone needs to know how to eat a persimmon, talk to me. I will tell you all the fucking secrets of how to eat them, how to make them mm-hmm. soft so you can spread it on bread like jam if you want, or or how to eat them hard so it's like an apple. I can tell you how to make them sweet or how to make them not sweet. I know all the tricks, freezing them, unfreezing them, putting them in the refrigerator. Oh, they're amazing. They're big. They're like, they're, they're like the size of an apple. They're everywhere in California now. If you just drive around and look around, yeah, the trees are like that. And they lose all their leaves, and they just have these orange balls on them everywhere. They're so good. Yeah. And they're expensive. They're expensive as shit. But around my house, there's just – I think they, they're they're probably like $3 a pop. But around my house, there's just thousands of them for free, tens of thousands, millions. They're so good. Uh, come to uh, – where was this? Uh, come to Indiana. Any grams within 300 miles can ha- – can make you some. Oh, that's cool. Any grams. That's a grandma. <laughs> yeah, grams. Okay, I have two minutes to prepare for my next meeting. Uh, <laughs> love you guys. See you tomorrow. Oh, let me see. I don't know who's on tomorrow. It's a programming show right now. Oh, and, and that's evening. in the evening. Oh, okay. So, Caleb, are you around tomorrow? Uh, maybe. We'll see. Okay. Are you morning. around tomorrow morning? Uh, uh, what's your name? Souza. Are you around tomorrow? No. Nope. Coaching. Mother. 
Okay. I'd like to do a live call-in show at some point tomorrow. We'll figure something out. I'll talk to you guys later. Uh, I'll be on with uh, JR and Taylor tomorrow. Self, uh, maybe some other surprise guests. Uh, I know you guys' favorite, John Young, may- maybe might be coming on. We will be batting around. We'll be talking about um, uh, the Dubai Fitness Challenge. Hopefully, tomorrow morning, they'll release the workouts, and then JR and Taylor can tell you how great they are or how shitty they are. Okay. Uh, see you guys later. Want to say bye, Caleb? Bye. <laughs> no bye for Susan. <laughs>